Hey, good morning. Monday, July 19th, 2021. Uh, take two on the intro music. Um, I'm looking for different uh, candidates, if you will, to start and end the show. Uh, I wasn't really a fan of the clip. I, I was, and then I wasn't a fan of the clip that you heard last week. So uh, hopefully you can appreciate at least um, the the attempt, the effort. I'm going to continue to experiment here, um, just like this podcast project and a lot of things I've worked on over the last few months and last couple of years. Just about everything we do is an experiment. Just about everything we do um, until we've done it several times, at least, is an experiment. Anyway, we'll see where that goes. Monday, July 19th, it's a beautiful morning in, in uh, central Ohio. Not as warm as it was last week, still pretty humid. Rained a whole bunch last week uh, until yesterday, Sunday. Gorgeous day. Low 80s, sunny, quite humid, though. That's the norm for us. <clears throat> Excuse me. That's the norm for us in uh, central Ohio, but got a chance to play with the kids outside. Um, got a run in later on in the evening, which was really nice as the sun set. So hopefully your weekend was good. If you were working this weekend, hopefully you can find some quiet time, some time for yourself, some time for you and family uh, in the next day or two. <clears throat> Excuse me. Okay, so... This week's meditation, we are still talking about what COVID-19 gave me, and I challenge you, I push you, I urge you to ask yourself what COVID-19 gave you. So as, as I've said every week since starting this series, and especially for those of you who uh, have not listened to any other episodes until this one, no part of this series is intended to downplay the tragedy of COVID-19, particularly for those families who've lost loved ones particularly for those businesses that have had to shutter permanently as a result of lost revenue, lost customer base, lost traffic, right? All, all of the things that we did in response to COVID-19, whether you agree with them or disagree with them, wreaked havoc on our small business community. I know it did in Central Ohio, where I'm from. Um, we know it did across the country, right? There are thousands upon thousands of people who are looking to make a new way for themselves uh, now in the wake of COVID-19. So no part of the series is meant to downplay any of that pain, any of that suffering. But if we don't make a concerted effort to look for the positive that we've gained from something from adverse consequences or not consequences, circumstances, if we haven't taking the time to look for what we can take out of adverse circumstances, for what we can look to take out of pain that will make us stronger, that will push us, that we can use to our advantage and to the advantage of others around us, then the entire experience is for naught. The whole experience is useless. And so, you know, on the last question, we seek to ask tough questions, important questions, in order to build a much stronger base of leadership in people who will go on and build a much better future for all of us as one community. And so it's impossible to ask tough questions if you're not willing to ask what good can come of the worst thing that can happen. COVID-19 may not have been the worst thing. Certainly we need to be prepared for disasters of increasing magnitude as time goes on. Um, 
because frankly, COVID-19 could have been worse. Regardless of what happened to you and where you stand in this experience, the way the pandemic played out, the way the virus made its way through the country and across the world, the effect it had on individual populations could have been even worse. And we've seen worse historically. So I think there's plenty of good to take from this experience. There must be plenty of good and plenty of lessons to take from this experience. This week, what did COVID-19 give me? My answer for this week and something um, I'm going to be thinking about all throughout the week and something I would urge you to think about, especially if you are a supervisor, especially if you're responsible for a team at work. COVID-19 gave me distance from the unimportant. It gave me distance from the unimportant, especially emotional distance. So last week, um, I talked about how much, how much more time I had to read, to work on myself, right? To, to read not just subjects that were specific to my own development professionally, specific to my uh, new job and new work beyond the military, but also stuff that has on the surface nothing to do with what I do. Right, so I, I read public policy, policing, right? It was a current topic, remains a current topic, but was certainly current in the summer of 2020. I read neuroscience, other natural sciences, cosmology, physics, mathematics, in addition to economics, finance, business, public policy, uh, education policy. I read the whole gambit. I read books that are focused on individual development, personal development. That's what I do as a coach, right? I focus on leadership, but at the end of the day, leadership development is personal development. So I read plenty of material on that. Tried to read research on psychology, education psychology, motivations, social psychology, how groups interact. And, and I... I focused on things that I believed were important, not just for me, but for my ability to craft a better message to get across to more people, which required me to get as much distance as I could from the shit that didn't matter. So prime example, meetings. Okay, just about everyone knows uh, in some form or fashion, what a meeting is. Probably a lot of you have sat in meetings in the last year. Most, if not all of your meetings have been done virtually by teleconference, WebEx, Zoom, Skype, uh, Google Meet, Adobe, Microsoft Teams, right? Now now the the industry around virtual conferencing has exploded. And with good reason, right? The services were in demand. And so that's a good thing for those companies, for those tech entrepreneurs that are looking to create a platform that, that gives us uh, something unique in that space. But the reality is we were all still sitting in lots of meetings because prior to the pandemic, we all sat in hours and hours of meetings in person. And, you know, I was listening to, now I can't remember, it's been a couple of weeks of course, I was listening to another podcast and I was on the drive to work 
and um, trying to remember the title of the podcast or the person who was interviewed. I, I, I will remember it. And I, and I think I mentioned this on a blog post a couple of weeks ago too, around the same time. But in any case, they were talking about meeting virtually and conducting meetings and how do you determine what is and is not useful. Um, and one of the things that I, oh, and they were talking about what is life going to look like in the corporate space, in the business space? What is life going to look like as companies, as work teams, as people go back to the office? And the reality is most people, it appears from the surveys and the studies that are out there, most people don't want to go back to the status quo prior to COVID-19. Not everyone wants to work remote 100% of the time, myself included. Certainly not everyone wants to go back into the office environment 100% of the time. A lot of people want a hybrid or really what they want, I think, is flexibility and control over their time, which is, has always, or, or at least, you know, since, since the explosion of personal electronics, communications technology, right, since we got email and instant messenger and the ability to connect to work 24-7, and the ability for our bosses to find us 24-7, I think what a lot of people have been looking for is simply the control of their own time. If I can't make it into work until 30 minutes later than normal today because of whatever, legitimate excuse or not, maybe I'm just tired and I'm dragging or my kid woke up sick and I need to get him to school but he's going to be late or I need to take him to urgent care and then get him back home, whatever the case is, many of us don't have the freedom to just say, I'm going to go into work half an hour late. Many of us don't have the freedom to just call the boss and say, hey, I'm taking my kid to the doctor. I'm going to work from home today. Many of us didn't prior to the pandemic. Hopefully some more of us do now during and post-pandemic, but there's a lot of us still out there that don't have that kind of flexibility and freedom. And for whatever the reason, I think that is really at the core of what people are looking for. They're not looking to, to work less. Maybe, I mean, some people are, but I don't think the majority are looking to work less. I don't think the majority are looking to skirt responsibility. I think the majority are looking to take control so that they can, in fact, make good on the promises that they've made and that they can finally fulfill this thing that people call work-life balance, which I don't, I don't like the term anymore. I don't like the word because I think it's a misnomer. But at the end of the day, we just want the ability to say, I need to do this so that I can put my whatever first, my family, my kids, or... On the flip side, right, being able to leave the house early or come downstairs to the basement office early, I'm going to do some work a couple hours because I can. Nobody's awake yet. And then by the time 7, 8 o'clock rolls around, everybody's awake and it's busy. I can devote some time to the family and then I can go back to work later, right? All those scenarios, I think, are really at the core of what people want. All right, so what does this have to do with distance from the unimportant? As I'm listening to this podcast, one of the things um, the guest, and I can't even remember her name. This is bad. I, I got to find a different way to, or better way to take these things down. One of the things she said, though, was she absolutely wanted to keep virtual meetings. And, I'm, and I, I do remember being like, oh, my God, why would you, you want to keep Zoom meetings? And I say that at the same moment, I'm like, why would you want to keep meetings, period, right? Meetings should be for a particular purpose. It should be to get everyone together to address a particular 
objective, a problem, a question. Meetings should not exist so that we can review the information on a document everyone already has access to on a recurring basis, right? By definition, we're wasting everybody's time. And yet that's what a lot of us do. Sometimes we have meetings to talk about meetings coming up into the future because somebody important, somebody we perceive to be important is coming to town. And so we have a meeting to talk about a meeting, to talk about a presentation, to practice the presentation, to present the information. And then we have a meeting afterward to talk about how all of that sequence of events went. And so what this lady is saying is she wants to keep that type of stuff virtual. Like, what do you, why? And then she provides the answer because when she is sitting on a virtual meeting on zoom on google meet on webex on whatever she can multitask think about this right and this is probably you i can tell you for a fact this was me when you're sitting in a zoom meeting that's going to go in excess of two hours and the purpose of the meeting is to review a slide deck or a Word document or a, a database. When the purpose of the meeting is recurring, everyone has access to the information and it's really just an update on whatever has been going on the last seven days, six days. You're losing valuable time to do the other things that you've been tasked to do or that you feel you really need to do to move your your part of the ball forward, right? Your part of the team forward, whatever your responsibilities are. This is valuable time that you could be using for, for what Cal Newport calls deep work, right? Where you could be concentrating with the door shut or with the headphones on, really getting into something. But invariably, we also schedule these meetings at the worst possible time of day. 9, 10 a.m. for those who are great in the morning, 2, 3 o'clock in the afternoon for those who are great in the afternoon, three o'clock in the afternoon for those who are trying to get that last couple of hours of work or email correspondence done before they head home at a decent hour. Whatever the case is, what struck me was that the reason she wanted to keep virtual meetings is so that she could do other shit during the meeting. I'm guilty of this. If you want to use the word guilty, I've done this numerous times. And, and I know my colleagues did it in the same meeting, right? So when you're sitting around a conference table and everyone's looking at a screen or everyone's looking at someone talking, it's very difficult. If you bring your laptop in to that conference room and you just start doing stuff and you're focused on your laptop, it's, it's, you're going to get called out. You're going to look like an ass in front of people, right? It's, it's not going to work. It doesn't work. However tempted you are to do it, right? However tempted I was to do that, it's not going to work. Certainly, if everyone does that, then it'll be obvious to everyone in the room, this was absolutely pointless, right? If everyone shows up to a meeting in a conference room, but everybody brings a laptop or a tablet or a notebook, and while one person talks, everyone else is just doing other stuff, right? It, it's clear that it's a waste of time. But in the virtual environment, on Zoom, or whatever application you're using, right? I, we, we use Zoom the most. So on Zoom, nobody's staring at your video feed. And even if they are, they're not looking at it long enough because there's multiple people on there. 
And even if someone is trying to look at you, it's not readily obvious that you're not paying attention, even if your eyes are moving around, because not all of us have cameras and screens that are right next to each other. So regardless, right, all of, all of these little nuances kind of disappear by the wayside. It's not obvious that you're not engaged. So what do we do? It's even worse that I'm sitting in a meeting where now I don't even look at other people in person. I don't see anybody else. It's just me staring at a computer screen in my house, and I haven't been out of my house in a month. Or maybe I have. doesn't really matter, actually. I'm going to do other stuff. I'm sitting at my computer right now. I've got three emails I want to reply to, or I'm, I was in the middle of this thing that required some deep concentration. Deep work is probably not possible during a meeting. But you know what was? You know what I often did? I did the stuff that did not require cognitive load. Right? I answered emails that could be answered in one or two lines. I updated other tracking sheets. I checked spreadsheets. I checked totals. I was looking at numbers. I was updating databases, making copies of things, grabbing coffee from the kitchen downstairs while my laptop upstairs was talking into nothingness because someone else was reviewing a slide. I mean, this, this sounds terrible, and I know it's going to make me look terrible, but I know I'm not the only one. She wanted to keep meetings virtual so that she could keep multitasking. She wanted to keep meetings virtual so that she could pretend she's not in the meeting. That right there should be a red flag to any of you who call meetings on a regular basis, particularly the meetings where the sole purpose is to talk about stuff we talk about all the time or that everyone can access or that everyone talks to each other about all the time. If your meeting does not have a particular purpose other than we do it every week or every other week or every day, you need to do some introspection and ask yourself, why are we doing this to ourselves and why am I doing this to my team? Ultimately, what that virtual meeting dynamic showed us, I think, and what that comment about I want to keep it virtual so that I can do other stuff during the meeting. What that told me in earnest was we're wasting so much time. We are wasting so much time. COVID-19 gave me emotional distance from that. It gave me distance from the unimportant meetings and status updates and the updates to the, to the database or to the thing, right, that did not move the ball forward for anyone, right? It's not about me. It's about the team I'm responsible for. It was about my students or my airmen. It's about clients. It's about teammates. It's about colleagues. But none of that effort was moving the ball forward, not to mention if I had to update someone out of a database I could do it with an email, a phone call, a text message in less than five minutes. But to provide that same update in a meeting venue would take more than five minutes and then compound that across every member of the staff team. And now we're looking at a meeting that goes in excess of two hours because invariably we all see it as our golden opportunity to ask questions.
Okay. I uh, took a minute to, to make an adjustment on the microphone. One of my dogs is going crazy upstairs, probably because somebody is walking their dog along the street or along the sidewalk. So hopefully, hopefully it's not, in fact, too loud for you because it is glaring for me. Anyway, COVID-19 gave me emotional distance from the unimportant. It gave me the ability to separate myself from the meetings, from the task and status updates, from the databases. I still had to do that work. I still had to make my updates. I still had to tell people things. But instead of spending half the day in a meeting or in follow-up conversations about that meeting, I made my updates. I was able to do um, e easy, quote-unquote, easy tasks when the virtual meeting came around. And then afterward, I got into some deep work because I knew nobody was going to hang around on Zoom. And rarely did we have those follow-up conversations ad hoc because we're all in our own houses. I still had plenty of one-on-one -on -one conversations by phone. I still exchanged plenty of emails with coworkers. And I still scheduled plenty of virtual meetings on Zoom to talk things over with a colleague. But I was shocked at how much time we sucked away from ourselves just by sitting in a two-hour meeting. Because it's never just the meeting. It's always the stuff that comes after. COVID-19 gave me emotional distance from the unimportant. And it really helped me understand during a workday, what are those nuggets? What are those special items? What are those things that if you focus on them, move the ball forward. It may feel as though you're taking longer. It may feel that way. But uh, Adam Grant, organizational psychologist at Penn, and a number of other psychologists in his field have studied this and talked about this. Multitasking is bullshit. It's not a quote. It's my own take on it. We pride ourselves on being able to do three or four things at once, right? I'm, I'm sitting at my desk in my, in my basement corner, uh, corner. It's kind of, it's not an office, doesn't have a door, but it is relatively private and it's a nice space to record. But, the, but I have my personal laptop open. I have a work laptop open. I have email open on the work laptop. I'm not looking right at it. But it's open, right? If a new message comes in, it's gonna, it could distract me. I'm looking at my laptop. I've got recording. I'm recording this right now. I have my email up in the background. I have music control for the intro music. Right? My phone is sitting here. It vibrated already, and I resisted the urge to look at it. We pride ourselves on being able to do multiple things at the same time. Sit in a meeting and write a letter. Sit in a meeting, respond to emails. Wash the dishes, listen to audiobooks or podcasts, which I do all the time. We really, we hesitate to be with ourselves alone in our own minds, and we absolutely can't stand it when we're doing one thing at a time. We've gotten ourselves to a place where multitasking is is a badge of honor. It's a, it's a capacity we all cultivate deliberately because we think we're going to get more done. But the, but the reality appears to be, according to psychologists who research this, 
that your your brain cannot in fact and and think about this i think this is true if you really sit there and and watch yourself for a minute attempt to multitask your brain does not in fact do multiple things at once scratch that that's not true your brain and your central nervous system control certain functions that are automatic in your body right you are breathing while you work your blood is pumping while you work your muscles are functioning. Okay, there are things that your brain can do simultaneous with the things that require additional cognitive load. While you're reading a book, you're still breathing, pumping blood, metabolizing, uh, metabolizing food, all these things. Okay, but, the, but for you to, to take your prefrontal cortex, let's say the decision-making part of your brain, and for you to attempt to discern what's coming out in an email while watching the news or listening to a podcast or eating lunch, there's some amount of each of those tasks that must be done independently, meaning your brain isn't in fact multitasking, but it is task switching very quickly, so quickly it's almost impossible to discern, right? You can go from writing an email to answering a phone call to checking the news, to picking up where you left off on a two-hour podcast, whatever the case is, you appear to be able to do all this stuff. And so we eventually convince ourselves that with the podcast running and the TV on but on mute and the phone rings while I'm in the middle of typing an email, we tell ourselves that we can absorb all of these inputs and produce the outputs all at the requisite quality across all four media, and it's not true. So much so that the research tells us task switching, particularly from something that, that requires so-called deep attention or focused attention, the deep work I mentioned earlier, when you switch off of that task to something menial, let's say I'm in the middle of writing a chapter of my book and I go and I answer an email because it popped up and I got distracted and I thought, oh, this will be really quick. I can knock it out. It won't be hanging over my head. For me to get back into that deep groove mental space so that I can keep writing the chapter of my book can take anywhere from 45 to 90 minutes. Minutes. Now, that may not be you. You may think you can get into it faster, and that's probably true, right? None of these studies, none of the numbers that come out of these things are absolutes. There's always a distribution, there's always a range, and there's always error. But cut that in half. 22, 23 minutes to get yourself back into the deep work groove. How much time is that? We do this to ourselves all the time with meetings and with countless other distractors. COVID-19 gave me the freedom, the ability to remove myself emotionally, mentally from what was unimportant. And it really gave me a different sense of what to focus on and how to focus in a given workday because I had no one else but me controlling the tempo of my day. Nobody could come into my house with a random question. Rarely, in fact, the phone calls happened. 
I could turn off my email and only check it at certain times a day, and the world didn't implode as a result of it. It gave me emotional distance from the unimportant. I've gone on long enough. There's plenty more stuff that we could go into, especially in terms of task switching and deep work. This is something I feel passionately about, that we are screwing ourselves out of a lot of opportunity and a lot of growth and a lot of productivity, to use a buzzword, specifically because we're chasing productivity. We're shooting ourselves in the foot. It's Monday, July 19th. I hope you have a fantastic week. We'll have another show coming out for you on Thursday or thereabouts. It's going to be a busy week for us. I'm sure it's going to be a busy week for you no matter where you are. Take a minute to get outside and take a breath of fresh air. Hopefully the weather is great for you. If it's not, it will be. It'll cycle back around. Hug a loved one. Hug a friend. Take someone out for coffee or for lunch and let them know how important they are to you. And don't forget, it could always be worse, no matter how day, how bad your day gets, it could always be worse. So be grateful for what you've got in front of you. Be grateful that you woke up this morning. Um, I hope you have a fantastic rest of the day. And so uh, I urge you to, sorry, I'm, I'm getting myself distracted, in fact, looking at the clock. Hug a loved one. Take a breath of fresh air. Look forward to a show coming up on Thursday or thereabouts this week. Hey, if you like what we're doing, by the way, my standard pitch, if you like what we're doing, if anything we're doing here is of value to you, please share, subscribe to the show, leave me a rating and review. It does not have to be five stars, right? If it's one star and you hate this show, I would at least like to know why. And any questions, comments, feedback you've got, send them to uh, my email, ask, A-S-K, at thelastquestion.blog. Um, it's going to be a fantastic day and a fantastic week. I hope you have a great one. If you're working today, be safe at work. If you're off today, uh, I'm glad you're off. Enjoy it. Get out there. Lead well. We'll talk to you soon.